Hey, I'm uh, Max Brody, and uh, today I talked uh, with Pensive um, about uh, everything from ancient philosophy to technological productivity to uh, following your passion and uh, how all those things are connected. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Pensive Series. Max Brody is a multidisciplinary designer and developer. He designed things from websites, logos, apps to interfaces and programs full-scale web and mobile applications for individuals and businesses. He believes that software is art and that art should be perfect. He likes to say that art is perfect only if it is guided by a singular vision from start to finish. He loves translating that passion into clean, modern, simple and timeless designs. Max is also the founder and CEO of Scent, a platform and system where anyone can fairly make money by creating any piece of original content. His mission is twofold, to give creators a seamless source of income from creating awesome work and to incentivize those who don't think of themselves as creators to give creating a try. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. in a... Uh, suburban town called Potomac. Um, my parents moved there in the 80s uh, when it was just sort of a horse and like farmy town and then uh, in the 90s it sort of became this uh, sort of place where a lot of the, the wealthy people from DC come and build really big houses uh, but our house is from like the 1940s and it's like a very old school house but uh, a lot of the surrounding houses were, were very large and that was the community was very wealthy. And then how was life there, like, when you grew up there? It was okay. I mean, I had a good childhood. I had a generally happy childhood, but um, it wasn't very exciting, not very culturally dynamic, I would say. Um, I very much wanted to go somewhere else once I could. Um, that was after high school? or After high school, I went to a school at a small school in uh, central New York called Colgate University, um, which I overall liked. I had my criticisms of it, but... Um, I studied philosophy, which I uh, continue to be a big nerd about, and uh, uh, around my uh, sophomore or junior year, I started realizing that I really uh, had this passion for technology, and then I wanted to start a company um, as my you know main thing in life, and um, moved to Silicon Valley or SF um, a few months after after college. So then. When you learned philosophy in college, what was the most important thing you learned about philosophy? Well, for one, you know, I didn't know what philosophy was until I took uh, Philosophy 101. I had this awesome um, professor, and uh, she basically, you know, she said that you're going to get, you know, a lot of people who study philosophy, they don't really know why they're studying it, but um, the way that... Uh, the way that she put it was that what it, what it trains you in is how to think better. Like it trains you, you, you study the thought patterns of the most brilliant people that have ever existed and, and you sort of begin to integrate their ways of looking at anything um, into the way you look at anything. Um, and from that, you know, at the beginning when you study philosophy, you know, you start having all these more, you start thinking about things that you never really thought about so you instantly have way more questions than you had um, at the start. Uh, but... Um, uh, it forces you to examine your own thought pattern um, and, and, and examine 
questions that you implicitly already have an answer to. Like everyone has a functioning philosophy that they're using, even if they're, even if they're unconscious of it. Um, but it sort of makes everything conscious, and it like says like, well, what do you, you know, what is your yeah, belief like, on free will? What is your belief on the nature of consciousness and reality? What's your belief on any number of things? And it like forces you to, to really think it through, and so you have a much more uh, conscious belief. Um, it helps you to get a better operating system for your life. Exactly. Well, because it, it, and it literally that's the, and that's what I gravitated toward toward the end of my degree, and that's what I ended up writing a, you know, a whole thing on was that. Um, you know, one of the most ancient philosophical theories that exists is Plato's theory of forms. And in a lot of ways, he basically describes looking at reality through the lens of, of what we call like a programming language. Like he has very similar constructs. This, his idea of a form is very similar to the idea of a class. His idea of an instance, very, it's still called an instance in, uh, in programming languages. And, and, and a logic itself uh, is the core of computers and it's the core of uh, philosophy, which is just stringing thoughts together in a way that... Um, where they, they reach a certain conclusion or a certain outcome uh, uh, and, and that it can't really be argued too much. Uh, it's almost like a math problem. And the math part uh, is really what I got into my junior year, seeing that number and, 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 and you know, pure math being uh, a type of human knowledge that's distinct from the rest of human knowledge. And that it's, they call it a priori, but it's, um, I took a few really, I took, so I was on this one semester where I was, uh, I was like obsessed with math, and I was like, I need to learn. I need to, I need to take. I was like, I need to take the most advanced class I can find. And at this point, I'd already had this moment where I didn't really care very much about grades anymore. I, I kind of just some intense personal stuff, family stuff had happened in my sophomore year that sort of disillusioned me with a lot of the systems of, of higher education. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to take whatever classes I want and not worry too much about, uh, you know, what. You know, however the teacher wants to say that I did, I just want to like learn stuff mm. while I'm here, and uh, so I took. So you, so you moved from education to learning. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, I, I rather than it being like a game with like a scoreboard, it was just like, what ideas do I want to surround myself with right now? Um, and so I went to the math department. And I was like, what's the most advanced thing you can take? Well, like we have an opening in like multi uh, dimensional calculus, and I was like, they were like, well, you need three prerequisites, but you haven't taken them. I was like, I don't care, just let me in. And they're like, you're going to fail. And I was like, I don't care, just let me in. And so they I let talk, you in? I talked to the professor, I'm like, please, like, I gave him my whole philosophical spiel. And he was like, all right, like, I can let you in, but it's going to be really hard. Um, and so I, I took the class. Uh, super hard. It was super hard. Um, I got like a C or something. I, I didn't do well. But it was, yeah. uh, it was all math majors um, and me. And the, but I think it, it, I loved the... the, the the rigor, like, like, I feel like when you take an advanced class and you haven't taken the earlier classes, you, you realize what ideas are implied that you have to know, like derivatives and integrals and all this basic, more basic calculus stuff um, that, that these, the other kids in, kids in the class could just do off the cuff. And I had just, but it sort of, it, it sort of forces to the top all the really important stuff you should have learned from the previous stuff. So you're not learning everything, you're just learning the core things. Um, and, and I, conceptually, I found it fascinating. Specifically with that class. I'm sorry, I'm just like going off right now. But, no, that's but, good. That's interesting. <laughs> um, uh, specifically, I, I'm impressed that you were able to uh, waive three prerequisites for a very advanced math course. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it, it didn't do well for my GPA, but whatever. But you learned probably a lot because I did. it forced you to like, uh, you know, study all these concepts that you didn't know that were required to like, like mm -hmm. even survive in the class. I, I, no, exactly. And you know, other kids in the class like. 
you know, helped me out there because I didn't like know any of the basics. But uh, what, I, what I was fascinated philosophically about in that class was that there was, uh, we spent a lot of time on, on, for instance, calculating the volume of something called a hypercube, which is like a cube that exists in four-dimensional space, which is not even something that we can, uh, humans don't interact, well, we're not conscious of four-dimensional space. And so it doesn't like come up in our lives like, oh, this is a four-dimensional object. But somehow, through the tools of math, we can know every detail of this four-dimensional object that we have no way of ever experiencing. But somehow we can reach into the other realms of reality and like know every detail. And I found what is, what is, how would you define reality? What is reality for you? <laughs> Um, I think I've come more and more to realize that, uh, um, reality in my view can't be untangled from consciousness, uh, consciousness and reality. Uh, there's no, there's no reality and then a consciousness of reality. There's only like one thing. There's a, there's a the subject and object in a way are like interconnected. Um, and so, Consci what do you mean by consciousness? So people understand. So like the like the basic I ness of things, like that, like like I'm here in this thing, and I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like I'm picking up this cup from the table, or I'm like, yeah. um, we tend to think that the the, the the you know the the common sense, so to speak, approach is that you know, I'm here, I'm in this world, and somehow this thing that I'm in is reality, and I'm here. Um, but the thing is, is that every way that we would look at the world, every way we would describe it in any way in order to define what it is, um, is always through this species-specific lens. And so, like, if I, um, you know, if I pick up this book and I say it's black um, and it's square and it's kind of heavy, um, that's me describing whatever this is in the context of a human consciousness experiencing it, uh, you know, right now. But if I was an insect and I were to look at this object, you know, I would see a million of it and I would, it would be all different colors and there would be all this other stuff. It would be, you know, they wouldn't know that it's heavy. It would be impossible to pick up. Yeah. Um, and so like the, and there's nothing to say that the insect's wrong and I'm right. It's just that I have a different consciousness lens to see the thing. And so uh, I don't, I think it's very difficult for humans outside the realm of math and number to, to get to what we would call objective truth. Um, because all we can know is, is, is subjective truth. Um, and what, what, are, what do you think are objective, objective truth? Uh, I, I recently, I don't know if I believe in objective truth. I, in the sense of, I don't, I don't believe that uh, human phonetic language can translate the, the, the true essence of reality in a way that's true for everyone. I think, like, this is a quote by Walt Waldo Emerson where he says, like, what's, what's true for you is, like, true for everyone else in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but well, the, truth, the truth is a really difficult concept to define. Well, well, Emerson, I, I think my, the, the, the line that I know from Emerson, which sounds similar, which might be the same line, is uh, uh, to, know, to know... What is true for you. Yeah, to know what's true in your own heart is true for all men. That is genius. That's yeah. his little line. And uh, uh, I love Emerson, by the way. He's like one of my main, main, main dudes. Um, and, uh, and, but, but I think that, that's... that's the genius aspect that's of feeling whatever your perspective is like a lot of people will resonate with um and but really g genius is just society's perception of and value of you it's not like i don't think it's anything uh, necessarily intrinsic it's, it's more of like how you manage to be seen by time um but yeah i mean i, I think at, at the 
uh, actually the, the best line I've heard on truth um, is by this other guy that's this, I'll say he's like a mystical philosopher, he's sort of an interesting character, but his name is Aleister Crowley, and uh, he's also one of my, one of my, uh, dudes, one of my dudes. <laughs> and uh, he, he's like, he sort of like says his canon for truth is uh, that which is most convenient, and uh, off the cuff that sounds kind of like, like a kind of dumb definition, but I actually think it's, it's really well thought through in the sense of, um, you know, here we are as humans, we're interconnecting every idea and perception we have into this little network of what we call our, what we call reality, what we call our perception of it. Um, and if we find something that aligns a lot of the things we already know in a much cleaner and more powerful way that seems to always be accurate, um, that is more true. In the same way, scientifically, uh, you know, we had Newton's laws and then we had all these exceptions and then we had Einstein come along and like tie it all together in E equals MC squared and it was smaller, way more powerful and included everything and so it's way more convenient, and so it's more true. Well, it's like a paradigm shift, right? Exactly. So I think, I think, I think when people say they found the truth, it's like they found the current version of truth, but then, you know, maybe 50 years from now, there will be someone smarter figuring yes. out another layer of the truth. Sure. And, and I think there's a certain layer of, uh, of humility you have to have around that word and to realize that, you know, I don't know. I, I, I used to be a little more aggressive with like, no, you're wrong. Like, this is not how it is. But, but my other big takeaway from philosophy is that every argument is about the same thing. Every argument is you have a different definition of some word. Like at some point, whether the word is good, whether the word is, um, you know, what, justice or, or whatever, whatever you're talking about, um, implicitly, if some people are arguing and they seem to get to a point where they just disagree and like they agree to disagree, it's, it's often that one of the words they're using they both have different definitions of, and they haven't uh, taken the time to to flesh out what those words mean. So earlier you said um, philosophy helps you to think better. So how do you think better? You think logic. You think more logically. And and uh, when I, in junior year I was getting also very heavily into computer programming um, because it, it 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 aligns perfectly with uh, philosophy in my mind. And and I don't think that it's it's it, it's it's just, I mean, I mean, in a lot of philosophy classes, what you would do is you would take a philosophical argument and you would turn it into what's called symbolic logic, or you'd turn it into like a math problem. Like, you know, this idea is represented by this symbol and you know, this idea plus this, but it look, ends up looking like a bunch of symbols in math. Um, and all it is is it's giving like this leads to that, that leads to that. And that's all computer uh, programming is in the first place. And I think if you realize that that's the most efficient way to actually solve a problem, you can look up some problem can arise in life and you can parse it out into, you know, part A, part B, part C, I need outcome D, and then you can rearrange it in your mind a bunch of times to get to part D. And that's uh, um, another one of my dudes is Nikola Tesla. And he has he had this quote that's like, um, you know, before I ever actually invent anything, I'm uh, you know, I'm inventing it in my mind a thousand different times. Like I, like, I don't need to do as many prototypes as other people because he was able to, like, um, create this way of, of piecing things together in his mind. And I think that that's uh, kind of what philosophy helps with. So then um, you said you moved to, to the Valley, to the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, so how did you, like, find your way? Um, so I made a few apps in college uh, for, for, for friends, um, and I was starting to get... So right when I was learning to code... Uh, I, Two friends had this idea, and they were like, can you code this for us? And I just started to learn that I really couldn't, but I was like, yes. I was like, let's just see if I can figure it out. Sort of like the math. The math yeah, yeah. And they, were, and they were like, we'll give you $200. And I was like, great. 
I was like, I, you know, that's awesome. Uh, let me figure out how to do this. And so I, I worked really hard and uh, I, I, I sort of hacked it together. It was, uh, it didn't work all that well. Um, and, and they sort of realized that and I gave them the thing. They're like, it doesn't work very well, but it looks really, really good. And I was, and they were like, could you like, you know, could you just give us how it should look and we'll get somebody else to code it. Mm. Um, and I realized then like, oh, I, I, I didn't realize, I didn't know anything about the tech world. So I didn't realize that like design and development were separate things. I thought it was just like, you make something. Like, yeah. I, I didn't realize that it's like a separate thing. Um, um, but yeah, I always thought the, 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 the way it looked and the way it functioned and all of that was more exciting to me um, from like an artistic standpoint. And, uh, and I realized that I sort of have a knack for that. And so um, I started doing a lot of design stuff. And uh, after a while, I was like, maybe I can just call myself a designer. And I looked up and people have, apparently have that job. And I, and I called myself that. And I, I just looked for design jobs in San Francisco. And uh, this startup that had just gotten funding um, hired me as their first employee to do their, to, to be their head of design, mm -hmm. um, which you know, fancy title for me, just hanging with these dudes and, you know, just making the, the how it should look. And, um, and yeah, that taught me a lot that they, that, they should offer a, a role, how to, how to philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was actually, that was the, um, to, to back up a bit, that really was my intention for years in college. Like I wanted to be a philosopher, like, but that wasn't a job. Mm. Um, I, I, and so I was going to be a philosophy professor. That was the closest thing in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, I actually remember after I took an, a class on ancient philosophy my junior year I went to my professor and I asked him because he was very he taught the class very neutrally like some people think this some people think that and then a lot of kids in the class would argue but he wouldn't really say where he stood and um, I uh, I asked him at the end of the class after the final exam I'm just curious like what's your view on reality like like what's your how do you, how do you see the world like what's your what's good mean to you and uh he kind of just laughed at me, and he was like, I don't know, like, you know, there's a bunch of things. He was like, I, I don't know, what am I supposed to say? And, uh, really? And I was kind of upset. Well, yeah. in the sense, I was, I was like, I was like, I was like, well, this is it's what... It's kind of disappointing, huh? And, and, but, but really, it was enlightening, because I realized that, and I don't want to say this as a blanket statement, but, but I have sort of found it within philosophy, is that at least modern philosophy has two things about it. One, it's, um, it's very... It, it, they they focus on the most minute of details for like a whole paper because there's like there's very few people like there were in ancient times who are like I'm just going to explain the entire universe in ten pages and like like really take that on. It's usually like I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little footnote to someone else's footnote about yeah. this perception of this word in this guy's paper and it's so specific. Um, I don't like that. I, I don't like it either. I don't think it really it doesn't it's not really the the, the soul of what I think philosophy really is. Um, but then also I realized that generally philosophy professors are scholars of philosophy, but they're not necessarily philosophers themselves. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Because I think that the greatest philosophers were not professors. I mean, what I like about philosophy, to me, philosophy is not philosophy if it is without action. And like, you know, the whole branch of philosophy called Stoicism is basically philosophy in action. You know, Marcus Aurelius and all these things. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I... I some, uh, you know, we could go down stoicism, but the, um, I, I think, yes, I believe in the action-oriented part of it, and I, and I sort of was like, all right, well, you know, what, what, who are the philosophers of 2016? Like, like what, what role do they play now? What do we call them? And I tend to think that it is, um, it's entrepreneurs, it's artists, it's investors, it's people who are, 
who are basically having some sort of view on things or having some sort of critique of society and doing something about it um, right. and, and actively engaging and, and not just sort of sitting in like... And again, it's not that writers aren't people that, you know, they, they affect things for sure, but I think um, what really motivated me was the ability to actually like start, in, start something that can really move the world in a certain way, potentially. Yeah. Um, and then once you found your way, how did you like think about your future and what you wanted to do and well I really came out with I had it I almost um, before I even what, what triggered my desire to do technology is I had at the core of this idea that I'm still doing now and uh, it's is about to um, it's at a really exciting point now it's just about to close uh, getting funding and then building a team and so it's, it's at an exciting point now but I, when I started I didn't know anything really about technology when I first had the concept and really this idea has been what's motivated all of my learning to code and design and, and moving out to San Francisco and almost everything I've done in the last few years has been to try to make this. Um, and uh, that idea started as, um, I've always made stuff, like whether it's like pictures or songs or just, just stuff and uh, uh, or like writing stuff, um, you know, whatever else it is. And it just kind of, some of the things, you know, I hear a lot of bad stuff, but some of the stuff I think is good. And it kind of struck me that I could post things to any of the networks that exist. So like Facebook, or Twitter, or Instagram, whatever. And all I get is uh, things that only exist within that network. So a like, or an upvote, or a plus one, or a heart. Because that's free for them. Or a smiley. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean anything in the world. Yeah. It's just like this, it's this little ego serotonin hit of like you, someone else like cared enough to like tap their finger and so it's like yeah. it's really not a, it doesn't mean much at all but we, we somehow treat it like it's a valuable currency and uh, the core of that just started when i was like well, what if instead of giving a like to something what if you could give you know one cent to something like like what because i know that i don't care i wouldn't care if i give a penny like, i don't even think of a penny as real money like it's just it's completely worthless in society mm. and so um what i realized is two things that yeah it doesn't feel like much to give away but if you pair that with all of the, the 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 scale of the numbers that you regularly see on any web surfing session, as soon as you watch almost any video you're going to watch right now, has gotten over a million views. Like 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 that, that's almost a standard just to reach a certain level of awareness in the internet. And and then we, we're so used to seeing billion likes, hundred million things, we don't even realize how big that number is. But if each one of those was a cent, for instance, uh, you know a million. You know, a million, a little thing is like a million views is, is cool, but a million cents is $10,000. Like it turns into money you can use, you can pay your rent with, you can pay, yeah. you know, buy food, laundry, like, like do, do real things with. And, and that's just from uh, creating. Um, and that was the idea is that you could create anything. You can create any picture, video, audio, or text, which is what the internet's composed of. You can create any piece of original content and, and instantly monetize it. It just instantly money comes in. And um, uh, the one other major aspect that I added a little bit down the road was that um, in order to encourage people to give to each other, was that for every cent you give away to other people's content, increases the exposure of your own content. So if I have uploaded a few paintings and then I read this person's article and I think it's great and I sent them a few times, um, which basically increases the, the monetary you know, each each piece of content has a a little monetary value that it's made so far. And if I click the set button a few times, it increases that value. 
um, I'm not only giving money to that creation and therefore that creator, but I'm also increasing how many people are seeing whatever I've made. And so it's increasing the possibility that I um, will make more money because more, I'm getting more eyeballs on it. Um, and so what that does is it encourages everyone to give to each other. Um, uh, and that mixed with also when every content is displayed, there's this little tiny advertisement in the corner that generates revenue. And then all the revenue, nearly all of the revenue that's generated from that advertisement doesn't go to the cent, it goes to the creator of the, of, of the content. And so just by people viewing their article or, or listening to their song, uh, the person's making money. The person doesn't have to be a cent, the, the, the viewer doesn't have to be a cent user at all. Like it can just be anyone on the internet. And just because their eyeballs are looking at that ad, that generates revenue and we give it to, uh, to the creator. That's pretty cool. Um, and what, what, what was the inception of this idea? I mean, you, you mentioned mm -hmm. a little bit about how, how, how you got the idea and why and motivated you to do these things, but like, was there any like turning yeah. point or a trigger or something like that? Um, well, I, I had this, um, I guess I can share. Um, so uh, in sophomore year, my mother passed away. It was like a sad little section of life. And it was sort of, in a way, in retrospect, I think it's, it's, it's you know, it, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. And I think that the blessing aspect is that I, I feel like I had to confront a lot of uh, fundamental things in a really real way that I feel like a lot of people... Um, sort of don't have to confront until later in life. And, and one of the things was like, I, I was just the general concept of how that life can just end, that like you can be here Tuesday and you're not here Thursday. And like the, the that sort of real truth, um, you know, really was instilled in me. And, and I, I, the idea that I was doing waste, uh, that I was using my time in any way that I wasn't ultimately gonna be happy that I was using it in, um, started to really bug me. Like, and, that, and that's why I, it was that point where I really stopped caring about grades. Because I was thinking, you know, when I'm 95 and I'm in my deathbed, am I going to look back and be like, I'm so glad I studied really hard for that test and got it. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to be really glad that I narrowed it down to either I created something that's, that made a difference. Um, I did something that I love. Uh, I spent time with people that I love. Um, I followed my passion intellectually like I just I followed whatever's you know lighting me up um, and, and really those are, are like I love you know uh, those were the things that um, I, I wanted I don't want I don't want to spend a single minute not building towards something uh, and that's really when I had this the initial now that the product's called scent but it was it had a it had a bunch of different mutations and names in my mind and uh, how did you think of like because you're very creative I would I would love to hear how you sort of evolved the name Okay, uh, so originally... Because you had the idea, but then the idea was not even evolved, and then like you have to come up with a name. Well, and the idea started actually a little simpler. It was originally just going to... I was going to call it Think, T-H-I-N-C, and the company was going to be T-H Incorporated, so Think, like if you said it, just the ink. Um, and uh, it was just going to be original thoughts, and so it was going to be like longer than a tweet, but um, but like not a blog post, like a just a little self-contained interesting thought. Um, and then you're going to be able to, you know, give sense in the same same sort of way, but just to thoughts. And that's still included in the current, uh, in the in the modern product. It's just it's just known as a, a text creation now. But um, the it was called Think, and uh, and then it, it evolved more and more, and then it was called Think Tank. And it was like going to be like a tank of thoughts floating all around. Um, and then for a while it was called Penny, um, which I always liked the name Penny. Um, 
But then I found uh, about a year ago that there was this startup in Texas called Penny, and they trademarked the name Penny, and they had something to do with money and something to do with social networks. It was totally different what they were doing, but it was like too close to call. I, I really did not want to have to, uh, you know, change the name after launching. I feel like that's yeah. that can be just a death blow to like people's. I, don't know. I, I just hate yeah. that. I want people to like get it and, and learn to understand it um, and, and like know it as a thing. It's a little bit like if you introduce yourself at the party and then you know 30 minutes in it's like oh my actual name is then they're like are you even real like what is yeah, this then, yeah. and, and the uh and so i changed it to scent and uh trademarked scent which is which uh you know my lawyer said was uh pretty crazy that i was able to that that wasn't taken just the word scent is not a you know that, that you that, that's still available he, he thought it wasn't so you even, trademarked it yeah so i own the word scent and so no one can use the scent in really any technological way um but it, it's kind of like he said, it's like, he, he gave me, he, he told me not even to try, because he was like, it's like dollar, you can't just trademark that, it's like a word that people use. Um, but he was like, I was wrong, I guess you can. And so, uh, and then I got sent.co from this Chinese guy in the, for, we, we, we uh, you know, I only say it's Chinese because it was like we were, we were communicating over email and there was a little bit of a language hmm. barrier, but, uh, you know, negotiated with him for weeks and then finally got sent.co and then... Was it expensive? It was a few thousand dollars. And, uh... Um, uh, and now I, I've really come to really like scent because it, uh, there's all sorts of puns with it. It rhymes with, with coal. <laughs> what? It rhymes with CO. Not really. I mean, just, oh, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. nice as a CO. It is, I think. And, uh, but also it, it's a verb. And, and one of the, uh, really the intention with scent is to, is to have a large impact on mainstream culture. Uh, a lot of startups, I think, focus on a particular little user base and that's great and I'm, I'm not knocking them at all. Um, scent is going to start with it with some niches, but really the intention is to be a, a massly used cultural thing um, in the same way that Twitter or Facebook or Instagram is sort of holds this place in culture. And um, I think a lot of the ways, particularly Twitter, I'm fascinated about how, how much it's become like almost a, a symbol of 26, uh, of the modern world. Like, oh, you don't know how to tweet? Like, you're not a real... Yeah, yeah. It becomes person. a verb, yeah. Exactly. And, and, the, and the fact that that, 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 that ability to, to put it in a sentence so casually, like, oh, I'm about to tweet this out... Um, I've always been fascinated by it because that, one, it's like it implies that, oh, you know what this product is and you know what, I, you know, like it, it implies a full advertisement for Twitter every time it's just said as a sentence. And you see it on newscasts, you see mm -hmm. it everywhere that's, that Twitter's not paying for. Um, um, and it sort of has this hip, like, like, like if I'm going to, you know, and, and so I, I really wanted to build that into the core of concept percent. And so, you know. But do you think like when, when Jack Dorsey, Ev Williams and Bizstone started Twitter, do you think they had this intention? I don't know. Was Zuckerberg? I don't know. I really don't. But, Maybe but it's something that evolved over time. It could have easily, but mm. um, it probably did. But I think that doesn't. Uh, Either way, it doesn't, that doesn't stop me from being yeah, able to learn yeah. from it and, yeah. and to see that that's worked and to and to me be intentional about it. And I think, uh, for instance, I think a year from now the hope is that you know a, a thing people say like after like you see like a dude perform at an open mic and then you'd be like. Yeah, you can set my song, like, you know, and that's, like, a common thing. Like, you know, you, you know, like, set my new video, or, like, yeah. I just took a photo, like, I'm gonna, like, oh, dude, I'm going to set my friend's photo. Like, and that's, like, a, a, a part of uh, the colloquialism of, of, of culture. Um, it'll probably take a few years to become really, like, really known, but um, really that's, uh, um, you know, that, that's, I think, and the same with, like, other things like Snapchat, like, like a snap is, like, a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like, I think, I don't... At a certain level, I think these things are intentional, and I think um, that's really the, the, the goal, to have it be assumed 
that you know what it is by most of culture. And if you don't, then it's like you feel like you need to catch up. Um, and I think that's really powerful on a marketing end. Um, and then, so going back to philosophy, yeah. in what other ways has philosophy improved your life? Well, so the, the core philosophical underpinning of, of the company and the, my reason for doing this was I've narrowed down, I, I think there's a few questions in my mind that um, uh, tend to uncover people's entire philosophy of everything. One of them, arguably the most important question, is how you define the word good. I think that, uh, that, that gives you an entire um, epistemology, gives you a metaphysics, it gives you a, a clearly an ethics, it, it gives you a lot of the branches of philosophy you need for a fully functioning thought system. And for me, uh, I have come to like what my answer for that is. Um, people, surely people disagree, but, but for me, my, my functioning definition of good um, is, uh, is individual creativity. It, it's it's uh, whatever, um, whatever that you can uniquely create uh, is the source of all goodness in the world. And I think if you look throughout history, the way we even define history is through human creativity. The way we, the Bronze Age is when humans were creating stuff with bronze, or um, you know the the information age is where all this stuff we're creating and like we're looking at how it's information, um, and you know language, you know books, um, uh, science, um, all of philosophy. It's all just human creativity showing itself. It's people wanting to create something, whether it's you know, some sort of remnant of their thought. And I think that the world tends to move forward the more creativity that there is. Um, and I, when I picture an ideal world, some like future golden age, I picture it being very expressive, very, um, you know, people just doing their thing and, 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 and realizing that, you know, the, uh, the, the structures in society right now tilt you toward the other direction. They tilt you to be you know, an incredible cog in an, in a, an existing system. They're like, be, be just an awesome accountant. You know, that's what we need. You know, if you do that, we'll give you money. Um, they don't want you to be like, you know, like a... The cog maker. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, they it, it basically, the, the people who become the cog makers are the people who just say like, fuck it, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing my cog making, like ignoring everyone else, like everyone's saying I can't do it, I'm just going to do it, I'm just going to do it, and then they eventually do it, and then everyone's like, oh, wow, look at that person. But really, it's, uh, and, and they deserve that, I think, at a certain degree, because I'm, uh, I have not gotten to that level, but I have already certainly seen a, a lot of the energy that comes your way when you're trying to create something is, is people, uh, how do I put it? I think the core of it is people wanting to justify their own past decisions. So if, if someone, you know, if there's a, you know, if you, if you talk to like a 50-year-old guy who, who maybe always wanted to be a musician and he never really went for it, you know, and he's talking to like a, a teenager who's like just starting out and he's like, yeah, I want to be a rock star. He might say to them like, ah, it's not worth it. Like you got to you gotta find a real job. Like, And I think he's sort of trying to feel better about his own past, you know, non-bravery to actually go after yeah. his dream and I think uh, you know I certainly have a lot of people who are very supportive um, and are just like go for it go for it go for it and um, but other people are That's what, know, more like cynical. the barrier is so great about it, don't yeah, yeah. That everybody does crazy stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, I, I love this uh, this city but, but just to finish up that last thought so, so yeah I think the core mission of, of, of Scent is really to increase net human creativity by providing a financial incentive to be creative, whereas the financial incentive usually uh, brings you away from individual creativity, and this tries to bring you towards. And um, I think um, that 
my, my, my hope early on with this company is that in the best companies, I think, have a, a core value of really what they think of as good. Um, and that just resonates through everything. And it's almost like the company has an aura, like Apple has this aura of like what, um, of, of what they are. And, and Nike has this aura of what they are. And, and, yeah. and those really, really powerful brands are, are really what um, excite me because I think that corporations, I think, in the future will become the most powerful entities that exist, more so than governments, more so than anything. Um, and I think that making corporations as enlightened as possible is... is, is is important because I think that they're going to have so much power. Um, having them have wisdom as well is is a good mix. So then, um, sort of now you seem to be on your way. Um, you know, after the initial um, foundation, but when you really started this out, yeah, how did you sort of make sure that you wouldn't listen to society and that you would have the support um, of people and that you would actually focus on doing this every day and that. How did you measure progress? Because, you know, at the beginning when you start anything, it's very difficult to, like, you know, when you, when you have a job, you know, you get paid, mm -hmm. you, you, go, you go to the office, so that there's certain measurements. So, so, so how, do you, how did you deal with all of these sort of things? Good question. Um, I know it's not I like you have, like, a plan. Like, it's not like you had, like, a plan. But how did you deal with that? Maybe there's a story. Or yeah, something. well, I think... I think um, one of the uh, one of the things I think I value extraordinarily highly, potentially more than other people would, um, is intuition, and that's like just like sort of just mysterious feelings you get about things sometimes. And uh, I think I've I've kind of made my whole you know my initial design career out here on just listening to that all the time, ignoring everything else, and just being like, well, this feels kind of off. First, I don't know why it just does and you do that enough times and then at the end of it something looks good you don't really know why but it, it you just felt your way there and, I, and think, it's, I think that's very difficult to explain because if you try to explain your intuition mm -hmm. like to other people sometimes it doesn't make sense it doesn't and, and, and but I think there is a, uh, I think there's ways to increase your intuition and, and one is just really by listening to it I think I think you tell I think it comes from your subconscious and so I think if you if you're constantly telling your, your subconscious that uh, this is useless information. Like, I'm not listening to it. Like, this is useless. It's gonna, I mean, just like just like a muscle atrophies, it's gonna stop giving it to you. It, it doesn't, it, there's no survival need for it. it it's, it's like your appendix. It's just saying, you're not using me, I'm gonna shrivel up. But if you're like, I'm listening, like, I'm listening to everything, I'm taking action based on what you're saying, um, then it just comes flooding in more and more and more. And I think uh, there's, there's also a lot of practices, certainly meditation, certainly yoga, certainly... Uh, healthy eating and healthy habits can just also um, help with with you know turning up the faucet so to speak on uh, you know access to it and I um, that's really been what what's guided me so far and I think will always guide me is is I, I've, I had this right when I had the beginning of this idea I, this this feeling um, that this is this is uh, something that has to exist and I can see it in my mind and doesn't seem like anyone else sees it, and so but I feel you, a certain duty. You, you saw it still in very abstract ways, right? At the beginning, I mean, that's, it's, it's I weird. Mean, it's Almost fun, the yeah. first second that I thought of this idea, I was a sophomore, it was, it was the summer after my, you know, uh, summer after my sophomore year in college, and uh, um, I, I, I saw it, I, I, it was like a flash, and I kind of saw it rather clearly. There was like a, and I've really been sort of working toward that quick flash that I had for years, and, and it's now 
it's still pretty much it's still pretty much something's there and there's a little price next to it and and you're just sort of giving a, a penny to it if if you think it's good and and I wanted it for myself I wanted to see if it existed and so I started looking for it I was like okay where's like something I can post stuff and just and it, I saw that it didn't no. and and uh, and yeah I think it's really um, we're we're also using you know you know these technologies that have never been used before like there's we can go into the blockchain and, and a couple other things that we're using to actually facilitate this in a way that because the reason it didn't exist then was that the technologies basically didn't allow for it to exist but now uh, with cryptocurrencies and in the blockchain there's uh, there's a whole new world of stuff that can be built and and this um, we think is going to be one of the things that helps to bring a lot of these technologies to the mainstream world um, and that's the hope so if you could have um, dinner with any philosopher in history, like, who, oh, who would God. you pick, and then, and then, what would you ask him? Um, well, Plato's always like my, like, love, like, 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 like he's sort of the core of me. I'm very much a Platonist. I think, and they've said that, uh, you know, all of philosophy can be seen, all of Western philosophy can be seen as like a footnote to Plato or a disagreement with Plato. But, but really, he defined what it is and like what it. You know his core distinction of idealism and materialism, and, and and that really I think is is gives the structure to almost all other thought. Um, so I, I'd love to have been able to talk to him. Uh, I'd have to learn ancient Greek, and you know I'd, I'd uh, but I think I think he would I I just would love to see his presence. I think he he he's, he inspires me a lot. Um, I think um, on a more this person's not a philosopher, but I I I'm very into philosophers but also um, polymaths like people who, who do multiple things I find fascinating because there's a certain way of approaching uh, so I was going to say Da Vinci and uh, Da Vinci's always been another one of my favorite characters because he you know he just unapologetically like does engineering does science does art does all of this stuff and just doesn't care about the labels and, and I love that sort of just like I don't know what you call me I'm just going to keep creating and, and that sort of um, uh you know, I, 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 I want to create a lot of things in my life, a lot of different types of things, a lot of different types of mediums of things. And um, uh, the, the people in the past who have done that, I'd love to just drill down into them exactly into how they see, like, things and just to hang out with them. But, yeah. So how can, you, how can you find focus while trying to do everything in a way? Is it one at a time? I have a pretty... I've evolved my productivity system. It's kind of... It's very... I don't know anyone who has my exact productivity system. Um, actually, I, I potentially want to, in the future, want to make it into an app because I think I think it could it could work for other people. Uh, but at its core, basically, I define uh, I don't I don't really define a to do list until of like what things I want to get done each day. I more so say like, you know, I have certain goals. I always have goals. Like it's always like goals that reach out, you know, for a few years, and then that that whittles down. It's like what should I do tomorrow um, in order to be on that track, and. Uh, like sub goals. Yeah, lots and lots of hierarchical sub goals. And will you write it down like on a notepad or? I have, uh, um, I have sort of, you know, one of the oftentimes you know geometry you know was one of Plato's core themes, and it's really, I think, uh, you know, something that really inspires me as well. The, the, the having a geometric structure to your thought, uh, I think, is very powerful, and so I, I try, I strive to sort of have a. A geometric essence to the way I see things, and 
Um, I sort of have a, like a core thing, and then that branches out into a couple of things. I have like sort of. But do you use existing software, or do you do it offline? Like, well, I try to make it simple enough that the core things, and then as they branch out, is it doesn't need software. It's like very, it's very just, just it's just like places I've arrived to and thought. Um, but then I use I love Trello. It's like one of my main tools that I use right now. Um, uh, I, I have a feeling I'm going to get more into like mind mapping stuff. I haven't really found one that I that I really love yet, but. Um, I generally think hierarchies are how humans think, and so I, I, I like uh, the hierarchical stuff. Um, but really, I ultimately want to make an app that uh, that I think I, I've, I've tried a lot of times. I've I've made three or four that have, that have tried to get at it, but I haven't quite gotten to it yet. Um, and I think it would sort of be right now. It's sort of a mix of hierarchical web webish thing mixed with a Trello type thing. Um, but I haven't quite. Uh, that's really like a rough idea. Okay. So is there is there a book that you would recommend to other people who want to learn more about philosophy? Um, there's a lot of... Uh, honestly, for me, my first philosophical thing I read was 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 a you know a Platonic dialogue with Socrates, and and I think um, you know that first night, the first reading, I was like, this these people are actually talking about stuff. Like this is actual. They're actually trying to answer a question. And I think, I think everyone has their subjects where they just are like, you know, don't know what to do with their nerdiness. It's just so, and I think for me, this is, so I, 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 that was my intro and I was hooked on it from that. But I think there's a lot of people who, who maybe don't have that, um, for philosophy, which is totally fine. Um, that, uh, that there's a lot of more modern writers who have been able to distill down the, the magic, so to speak, of those people into a more approachable way, um, to just sort of get your foot in the door and like get your, dip your toe in. And um, I, I don't know any at the top of my head, mm, um, that's okay. but um, just because I, I tend to I, I tend to like reading source material and like the, the actual thing the actual dude wrote. But, um, but there's a ton of people who there, there's there's this one series that's called a very brief introduction and to blank and they have all these different thinkers that they did and, uh, and those tend to be good I think. It comes from the UK I think right. It might it's these yeah, little yeah. books and and I know that they have one on uh, one of my other favorite philosophers is a guy named Arthur Schopenhauer and uh, they, I know they have one on him and. Uh, He's German, I think. I think so. <laughs> no, but he's great. I think he, yeah, he's, I think, undervalued. So, like, you sort of symbolize creativity. What, what does creativity mean to you? You explain that. Is it, like, how, how would you, like, encapsulate it? It's bringing something into existence uh, that is not currently in existence. So, uh, it, it's reorganizing atoms to have a function or to reflect an idea. Um, so, you know... The, the 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 bricks that make this house that we're in right now, um, the atoms always existed. They were like off in a mountain somewhere and off over there. Um, but someone came along, and then the process of creativity is also, I think, a very much a metaphysical process in the sense that every you know created object begins in the mind. It begins. Um, I know, a lot of different phrases of what you call it: the astral sphere, the the the, the, the creative. Um, octave of reality but it, it exists in the mind first it exists as an intention as a will and then slowly it trickles out of the metaphysical sphere into the physical and um, that's why I think purifying the mind do, doing things to have a healthy mm, awareness and consciousness allow you to to play in that sphere in a more efficient way um, so for me it's very much about falling in love like when if I'm ever creating something it's about Falling in love with an idea, like, like like vibrating to this idea, just loving this thing, um, and like having some 
having it come from some place of, of a feeling like this is me in some way. Like, like, like somehow if what you're creating, I think that's, a, I, I know a lot of artists and, and I know that that's um, a common theme is that they feel like they are Represent. defining themselves by making something. And, and they're like, they make a painting and then they're like, they can look at themselves then. And, and that's a really, yeah. uh, I think for a lot of people, a very therapeutic process. Because then, especially if you're feeling like if you just had a breakup, you had some strong emotion, I think the best thing you could do is create, to turn it into art because it gets it out of your soul and it somehow mm. makes it feel like, like there's a purpose to what you're feeling. And, uh, um, and there's a component of sharing it then. Exactly. And then, and then other people who you don't even realize are going through very similar things experience it and, and they feel less alone because then they're like, oh, well, you know, they, you know this, this guy did the same thing. He knows exactly where I'm coming from. And, and uh, um, it, it, that's why I feel like it's a source of goodness because it helps you and it helps others. It, come, it creates something out of absolutely nothing. It's, it's free. Um, it's, 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 the, it's literally and it's the only thing that humans can do that animals can't do. Um, there's no animal writing poems. Um, there's no animal. That know, we know of. <laughs> there's that one beaver but uh, generally uh, they're not and um, you know I think ultimately I think I think it is the, the purpose of a human being is to create so you talk all about these frameworks and these ideas and philosophy and you mentioned how you applied that to your own life um, yeah. can you talk a little bit more about the process of how, how did you synthesize all these ideas and philosophies for yourself and you know because now it seems obvious to you, right? But yeah. It was like a very long process. And like in moments when sort of maybe you're doubting yourself and like, you know, how did you sort of move forward? Mm. Um, I think, I think ultimately, you know, in terms of moving forward, I think uh, one thing I've realized is that, is that, is that perseverance is, is really important in the sense of, at the beginning, if you're just starting something, uh, no one really cares. Like, like you have, there's, there's nothing, you know, the, the idea in your mind probably isn't all that strong, and then the idea in the real world isn't all that strong. So people might be like, oh, it's cool, it's nice. But I think the more and more, uh, and that's why I kind, of, I kind of encourage people to just persevere with anything. Just put, throw your entire being into anything. It could be a terrible idea, but what will happen is that if, you, if, you're, if you're fully in it, you'll learn really quickly about whatever you're trying to do. And it'll evolve, it'll morph, and eventually it will be something that, that is really authentic. And people will feel it, and, 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 and people will be drawn to it, and, um, and, and it'll be something of value. You just need to, you need to just start that passion process of like feeling like you need to do this, and, then, and, and, be just, and also be humble every step of the way. Don't cling to some specific way of it being... Um, just cling to, to the mission of it, perhaps. Like, be dogmatic about that, but don't be dogmatic about any aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then we can get into more of the frameworks that I use. I don't know if I, you know, that gets a little esoteric no. and weird, but but um, everyone has different frameworks, I think, that they use. But um, at its core, I think, uh, uh, one, not giving yourself saying, like, I have this mission, and what matters to me is that it's, what matters to me is that it has the desired effect that I, have, I want it to have in the world. Um, but I don't know how long it's going to take me. And being okay if, like, you have to, you know, I think the willingness to, to delay gratification, I think, in a lot of great people is, then, is very prominent. And then how do you communicate that to other people? Because there's so many different people in your life 
that have a different relation to your work, right? So yeah, some yeah. people just consume it. Some people want to invest in it. Some people want to support you in, you know, maybe, I don't know, emotionally. Or some people want to, like, you know, support you in different ways. So, like, how do you communicate that to? Because I feel like when you just meet someone and you tell them some sort of something as grandiose as this, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not the best way to start a conversation. I well, it isn't, noticed. it isn't. I, I, I... I um I don't treat people very differently no matter who I'm talking to to be honest I mean I think I, I I guess at its core I don't see my the core of me being a businessman I see the core of me being more of an artist or a creator like that's my and so I think um but but you know and I think of the company as like a some way like a giant work of art with other people like functioning in it and so so, so it has to look and anyway but the uh, uh, I just I, I think people can sense um, honesty. They they can sense when you're passionate about something and you just want to express why. And and if they're and, and I also think that also brings out the best of other people because then no one who's passionate you know, if you meet anyone who's passionate about something and they're authentic about it, there's no part of you that really wants to like shut them down. You kinda just wanna help them. Like 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 unless it's like something that's somehow like competing with something you're doing. I don't know hmm. every situation, but most of the time uh, it's like you, you see that fire and then you just want to like, yeah, like totally. And like, you want to like feed that fire. And I think anytime you meet a really passionate person, I don't care what it's about. Like if it's like, there's a super passionate, super passionate, like paleobiologist. And like, they just like, I just want to like, like, why do you love that? Like, like, like what, like, like get to the, what the fiery thing is at the bottom. And I think, Usually the fiery thing at the bottom is some sort of philosophical concept, whether that's creativity, whether that's curiosity, whether that's discovery, whether that's happiness, whether that's truth, whatever it is to that person, um, uh, that's what I always love to know because that's, um, uh, you know, I think, uh, I, I try to see everyone as an artist in some way. So there's somehow, a, and actually, I've, I'll say creator. I'm leaning away from the word artist. I think that's a little... It has too many connotations with it, but I think creator is, is open enough. And so, um, um, I forgot the original question. But that's, that's fine. No, um, what, what is sort of a, maybe to like, as a last question, like, yeah. what is a philosophical truth that you really believe in and that you sort of embody? Um... And then maybe, I think as a follow-up question to that, how do you understand, like, the way you look at the world and the way you understand the world? And by knowing that, it helps you in a great way. And But you, you know that most people don't understand that. I think there's one uh, very simple truth that I think um, is not... People can maybe sh know it on a, on a sh more shallow intellectual level, like yeah, sure. But I think when when you really embody it, it it, it and this the, the thing about this truth is that it, it shows its truth through the through the acceptance of it as an idea. And I think that's what makes it really unique is that it changes your life to to to, to hold this idea really close to 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 the source of yourself. And um, that truth, it's been said in a lot of different books. It's actually one of the oldest written human phrases. Um, Sometimes it's called as above, so below, or, or as within, so without. But what it basically means, and, and I believe this absolutely, and I've seen it in my own life that it's, that it's tremendously true, is that your inner 
world, like your inner world of thoughts and emotions and desires, uh, whatever nature that they have and whatever makeup that they currently are in is, is always an exact reflection of your outer world and your outer situations, the outer luck that you have, the outer... Um, uh, Serendipity. <laughs> Serendipity, all of, uh, all of the things that, that occur in your life I think are, are, are always an exact reflection of what's going on in your own mind and in your own soul, so to speak. And so I think that's why I put a very high um, priority on, on keeping uh, the inner stuff um, very, you know, trying to keep it very healthy and trying to keep it very nourished and trying to keep it very, um, you but know. How do you make sure that this inner um, vision yeah. can be supported by other people that you think can support it? And it's not interfered with, you know, people that sort of don't know what they're talking about. I don't think you should generally look for support. And this is, and I think, I think it's in a lot of realms of life. I think, um, I, I first, I feel like realized this truth in, you know, when I was a teenager and I liked girls and I wanted to like talk and kiss girls. And I realized that if I like went up to them with this, like just this, this basic energy of like, I want something from you. Um, by yeah. definition, that's unattractive. <laughs> they, they don't like you're like a you're like a little vacuum cleaner, like yeah. sucking up energy, and no one wants that. And, yeah. and what they want is the, every, they, everyone wants energy. So if you give them energy, and or in, in the context of here, if you give someone, if you don't, you're not trying to seek anything from them. You give them your passion. You this give is such them, a cool analogy. It's so true. <laughs> glad you appreciate it. Um, if you give them uh, the, what, what you're really stoked about, and you just give it to everyone freely. That uh, inevitably there will be people who who realize that in their situation in life they're like, I have this happen all the time. And they're like, oh, I can help you. Like, like I I want to help you. And like, so when people ask you, what do you do? What do you say? Depending on the context. Right, right, right. I mean, no, I, mean, I know, it, I know. But uh, I usually I usually talk about scent, and depending on how deep they want to go, I can go into it. But um, usually I say this app that's it's trying to allow anyone to you know monetize anything that they make, but. Uh, the, uh, but it's, it's always different contexts. I, I do a lot of, uh, well, up to now I've done a lot of um, freelance design stuff. And so I, sometimes if I'm meeting someone in that context, I'll call myself a designer. If I'm meeting someone in an artistic context, if we're like jamming together, I'm like a guitarist or something. Mm. I don't know. But the, uh -huh. um, usually, usually I, I, I try to stay aligned with my own life so that work is not all that different than life. And it's kind of just like, uh, um, yeah, yeah. The, the work is, is not all that different in life. And, uh, <laughs> um, Interruption by the cat. <laughs> yeah, that's Hamilton. Uh, Your cat is called Hamilton. Very popular name these days. Uh, yeah, because of the... Musical? Yeah, he got in the first night, actually. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.